For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. Please be seated. I walked into the sacristy this morning, which is the little room here behind the altar where priests get ready, and the altar guild works in the room next door, and I know you don't tell stories on the altar guild, but I'm gonna anyway. I walk in, the door's open, I'm putting my vestments on, and I hear someone say, why are we reading the crucifixion today? This doesn't make any sense on Christ the King Sunday. And I popped my head in and said, ah, listen to the sermon, and they said they'll keep the door closed from now on. Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday after the Pentecost, what on earth is going on? Just to orient you so you know where you are, we are at the very end of the church year. This is the ultimate expression of our church year and then next Sunday comes Advent 1 and the circle begins again. And in Advent, we long for a Messiah, we long for a Savior, and in this last Sunday before Advent 1, the lectionary leaders are telling us, this is what a king looks like, are you prepared for his rule? But I want you to help me get started here because when I first saw this lesson and thought about preaching about it, a camp song came to mind, all right? And I need you to help me because it's called King Jesus is All, I know some of you know it, And I'm gonna sing from the pulpit, which I think is not allowed, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Jonathan, I'm sorry. So I'm gonna sing a refrain, and then I just want you to call it back to me, all right? King Jesus is all. King Jesus is all. My all and all. all And I know that he'll answer answer. me when I call. call. Walking by my side. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. King Jesus is all. King Jesus is all. My all and all. My all and all. Give yourselves a hand. Well done. Excellent. And I do love that song. I love the spirit of it. It reminds us that King Jesus is all, but the theology is pretty poor. And that's one of the things about the praise songs. Sometimes they kind of get you engaged, but you gotta go deeper. You've gotta unpack what it really means to say Christ the King. And that's what I wanna do today. I wanna look at the lesson from Luke, the crucifixion, and I wanna look at the lesson from Colossians about Christ the King, the cosmic King, and see what this tells us about life on earth, life at St. Michael, specifically life in mission and outreach. So in Luke, we see Christ the King not as we would expect. We find Jesus crucified on a cross between two thieves, so unclean, so forgotten by the world. And yet in that crucifixion, in his willingness to go even unto death to accomplish God's purposes, we are seeing what a true king looks like, the kind of king, the kind of shepherd that the Hebrew scriptures point to, one who will be faithful, one who will be a servant, one who will walk alongside his people and reconcile them to God. That's the kind of king, that's the kind of shepherd that Hebrew scripture is pointing toward. 
And so now you find Jesus on the cross and in the ultimate sense, he is expressing his servant leadership, basically saying with his life, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, not even violence and death. Throughout the scriptures, there's all kinds of Hebrew references to let you know this is not a new thing, but a fulfillment of the promises to Israel. You listen to the mockery around him, and Luke is brilliant this way, all of the mockery actually points to the truth and the people don't know it. And so the leaders mockingly call him Messiah. The soldiers call him King of the Jews. The unrepentant thief calls him Savior, making fun of him. But Luke has the last laugh when after the resurrection, it becomes clear that Jesus is all of these things. Messiah, King, Savior, King Jesus is all. Then we turn towards Colossians to this mystical passage and it may have been written by Paul, it's, we're not sure, but it presents a whole different view of Christ. It's the resurrected Christ. It's the Christ in glory. So I want you to hold on the one hand this picture of Jesus on the cross and then I want you to hear the words of the epistle writer in Colossians. Jesus now has taken on cosmic dimension. There's a sense that Jesus is the logos, the incarnate word, the one who was before creation, the one in whom all creation will find its fulfillment. So you go from this very specific view of Jesus on the cross out to a Christ who holds it all in his arms. Listen to this passage from Colossians, and it's actually a fragment of a hymn that has been placed at the beginning of the epistle. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. So do you see this tension that we have between the two different kinds of King Jesus, and both are essential for understanding Christ's identity? Colossians makes it clear Jesus is not only a wise teacher, Jesus is the source of wisdom. Jesus is not only a merciful healer, He's the balm for what ails creation now and forever. Jesus is not just a suffering servant. He is the King of kings and Lord of all. King Jesus is all. And so as we hold this image of Christ, as we perceive this strange king, I now want you to think about St. Michael and specifically our work with mission and outreach. We're doing a lot of work right now to set the table, to get ready to call a new director who will come and lead us in our efforts, not only within these walls, but beyond the walls. And I suggest to you that there are four main pillars at St. Michael, worship, formation, pastoral care. All of these are essential to forming disciples, but it really doesn't mean anything unless you go out and become Christ to the world and Perceive, let them help you perceive Christ in you. Chris has been talking about this lately. We often think that we're the ones who bear gifts, not realizing that the world has gifts for us as well. 
And so mission and outreach becomes that organic breathing process of bringing our gifts to the world, but then letting the world give gifts to us as well. And just this week, I've been meeting with leaders in mission and outreach and will continue to do so through December, and I'm hearing inspiring stories about ways that you're living out the gospel. I hear about your efforts at St. Philip's School and Community Center in Southeast Dallas, ensuring that all God's children have a quality education. I watched this week as Jubilee Park received the Humanities Award from the Dallas Historical Society for extraordinary contributions to the city that you had a part in beginning. I saw staff and parishioners volunteering with Meals on Wheels, bringing good food to elders. In ways large and small, you are living out the kingdom of God in the world. But there is a danger for a church like St. Michael. The danger is that we imagine that we have something to offer and others don't. We imagine that our most important gift is money rather than gifts of time, dignity, and respect. We imagine that we are full and others are empty and we need to impart that into their emptiness, not realizing that we have emptiness that longs for the fulfillment of someone beyond our walls who has the gift that we need. As I was thinking about these lessons and I was thinking about this challenge within mission and outreach, I remembered a story that my wife, Rachel, often tells and I asked her permission so it's okay to share it. She talked about a time when she was 10 and she went with her family to Kenya, uh, right outside of Nairobi, to Kajabi. And her father was a family practice physician. He went for a couple of months to relieve another doctor and she doesn't remember anything about the mission trip except one moment. And that is they were worshiping together and there was a courtyard and after worship service, everybody was enjoying fellowship and she was on one side of the courtyard wearing her dress, her 10-year-old American self. And across the courtyard, she saw a 10-year-old African girl in a dress just like her. And she describes it as almost a mystical moment when she realized I could be her, she could be me. What is it about life circumstance that has put us where we are? And there wasn't an attempt to help her or save her, but it was a beholding of this precious child of God who happened to be from another region of the world. And it was as if they were one. That kind of encounter, that kind of sharing is what I'm talking about, mission and outreach. When we go prepared to behold the Christ in the other, just to rejoice in it, just to see it and to celebrate it. Christ is the king on the cross who's faithful to suffering and death. Christ is also the king of creation who holds all of our fears and our uncertainties and frustrations in his gracious rule. We know that the kingdom of Christ is gracious. We know that the kingdom of Christ is eternal and we know that all have a place in that kingdom. We also know that as we look around the world, we do not see kingdom of God. We see examples of crushing poverty. We see elected leaders behaving dishonorably. We may even see ways that we are missing the mark at St. Michael. And in the midst of all that, Christ is king. Even now, I believe we are being prepared for a beloved community that exceeds our wildest imaginations. And it happens not by our efforts, but by the efforts of King Jesus, 
who showed us what love looks like on the cross and who was and is and is to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.